Welcome back to Ability Peace Talk. We have Charlie Randall again, round two, uh, episode number two. Uh, you you mentioned the, the amazing surgery that you had um, uh, yeah. your, your, to your spinal cord and that affected your uh, range of motion and affected the spasticity when you're dealing with cerebral palsy. Uh, Charlie Randall had cerebral palsy, the same uh, birth injury that I have. Um, so that's why I'm very intrigued. And there's a lot of people with cerebral palsy, you know, that, that, that are, you know, that, that, that are, you know, would be intrigued about your story and about, you know, the surgery. So if you could talk a little bit about the surgery and the process after it, most likely, and was there any recovery time or did you feel any pain or, or, you know, yeah. Yeah, um, I mean, to be honest, the best way to probably start this is um, by explaining sort of the beginning story. Um, so essentially, uh, my parents found this this surgery back when I was, I was about, originally I was about six, uh, six or seven years old. And um, originally we were put off it by a lot of our doctors because at that, at that time it wasn't, um, wasn't as common as it is now. Um, particularly for those in the sort of cerebral palsy sphere. Um, so we got put off the idea and then I changed doctors a little, uh, a little while after that. And then this doctor brought it up again and was like, Oh, why did you never go for it? And, um, she was like, obviously my mom explained that doctors weren't very keen on it. Didn't feel like it was right for, for me. Um, so we sort of put the idea to bed and then he put me in contact with, uh, well, uh, my GP put me in contact with our uh, family that had the surgery and done really well with it. And because of that discussion, we then went through the application process of sending um, the doctors a video of me moving around. It was sort of your standard stuff, particularly those that are used to it in terms of with cerebral palsy. It's the stand up, sit down, roll over, show us how you crawl, show us how you put your clothes on, show us what you need help with, those sort of things. And then uh, produce the application, I got offered the surgery the following February. Um, so we flew out to St. Louis from London. Uh, they explained that obviously after the surgery, the recovery period would be around the sort of start start recovery period in terms of me getting back to normal functionality was about five weeks. So we had to stay out there for five weeks um, and stay with the other families going through the same process. So you after you have the surgery, uh, you have sort of, five days where you're not allowed to move you have to stay in one position um purely because obviously it's on your spine um if you move too much things can go completely wrong um so they they isolate you in that way but then after those five days they start getting you out of bed start getting you moving around and the biggest thing that i remember was um just constantly feeling like i had pins and needles um so it constantly just felt like i had pins and needles in my hands pins and needles in my feet um, and things just felt really strange. And then once I'd sat up, I'd noticed that I couldn't really, I felt really weak. I couldn't really hold my head up. I couldn't really sit up straight. I couldn't do any, any of the stuff I normally would do. And then obviously the doctor came over and said, it's because most of the time when you were doing that, you were using your spasticity to hold you up. Now we've taken that away. You haven't got the muscle strength or the muscle knowledge to be able to then hold yourself up. So, um, and then obviously from there, the intensive therapy starts. So this is sort of where it, they strip it back to basics because obviously you're so weak. It's the classic stuff, stuff of, again, st uh, sit on the side of a bed, 
stretch your leg out, see if you can touch the person's hand, um, exercising like that, laying on your side, doing uh, uh, side raises, um, practicing walking on walking frames and anything to sort of just general strengthening exercises that you you you're used to do doing when you have a disability and when you have cerebral palsy because those are the ones that physios get, got you to do all the time as kids. So it was it was sort of doing those, but instead of relying on the spasticity, I was actually seeing improvement in sort of my muscle strength. And then obviously you slowly become more and more comf uh, confident and comfortable with it. But I remember the biggest thing that uh doctors explained to me was look if you don't do the work after you get home um you will end up worse than you started out because we've given you a great opportunity to grow but if you don't do the work you will end up with less ability than you started out with because that's just the nature of the surgery um so initially when we got home i was put on an intensive physio program again following very similar steps to what I was used to in terms of floor programs of different floor exercises and stuff to try and strengthen uh, all the different muscle groups. Uh, then from there, um, I, so originally I was a classic teenager in terms of all I wanted to do was go out with my friends and play, right. play PlayStation and play video games. That's all I wanted to do. Right. Um, right. Me too. So, yes. <laughs> yeah. When so, I was younger, um, yes. Yes. So, as I say, it's uh, so for me, it was a real struggle because at that time, uh, when I was 12 years old, I couldn't see the benefit really of having that surgery because to me, it felt like my mum had just paid a load of money for me to go do loads of work. Obviously, the view on it's completely different now. I'm 23. But um, so then I went, I was lucky enough. We had the uh, in that summer after my surgery, we had the London 2012 Paralympic Games. Uh, I was lucky enough to actually go visit um, and watch a couple of events. I went to see some of the track events and I went to see some of the swimming. And I remember, um, I remember sitting next to my dad watching the swimming. And after the race had finished, we obviously uh, clapped and cheered. I think Ellie Simmons had won a silver medal for Great Britain. Um, and I turned to my dad and said, I want to do that. And uh, dad looked at me and was like, what are you crazy? Like, are you crazy? <laughs> are you <for> real? <laughs> um, and yeah. then, so because of that, that was, this is where it all sort of settled in. So because of that, I, this is where my love of fitness and uh, health and nutrition came from because where I dived completely in, <laughs> excuse the pun, dived completely quick uh, into swimming. Um, I, all, all of a sudden, all the physio that was originally seen as a chore became a hobby. It was something I wanted to do because I wanted to get better at my swimming. I wanted to get stronger because I wanted to get faster. Um, and then because of that, uh, doctors basically turned around and Smith said to me, look, like you're doing, like, you're doing fine. Um, you're doing what you should be doing. You're just doing it in a different way, but you're getting great results. So keep go, keep doing what you're doing. And so it was a massive relief for me because, as I say, it became a hobby rather than a chore. Because obviously, as a 12-year-old boy, having to do all these exercises and see these physios instead of going out with my friends, I was kind of like, what's the point? But then I managed to turn it into a hobby for me and it just became a lot easier. So, yeah, I hope that answers some of the questions. I feel like I went on a bit of a tangent, but <laughs> hopefully it's answered a few oh, of the questions. No, I, I love it. And I, I just want to... 
understand the timeline. Um, yeah. You had the surgery at what age? Like uh, 12. 10 or 11? 11, 12. I was 12. 12. Yeah, 12. Okay. Okay. And then, uh, and then you went to Paralympics with your dad like six months later? Um, yep. After the surgery? Um, yep. And, and then... Uh, when you're doing all the when you when, when you're doing all these exercises, what are some of the exercises yep. after the surgery? They made you do that. Uh, so like- it would be stuff like uh, stuff like floor bridging. So um, like you said, the classic bridge of bending your knees and bringing your tummy up to the sky, lowering yourself down to build up your quads and core strength. Um, it'd be exercises like um, like I say side raises, laying on your side and trying to lift each leg. Uh, 10 times and doing that for five sets on each leg um, or it would be um, stuff like stat, uh, working on going from sitting to standing independently and trying to balance while doing that um, it would be I'm trying to think of all stuff that I used to do it would be stuff like tightening my hamstring to try and bend my knee up to up up to my butt um, what other ones did I have to do so it was, it was all fairly like, I mean, uh, wait, you might be able to back me up here. It's all sort of fairly normal uh, exercises that physios and doctors would get mm. you to do when you were a kid. Yeah, it was yeah. Like that, but just just more. It was more put into a program, um, and mm. that was just something you'd have to follow. I mean, I had around about five physio sessions a week um, of working wow. with different physios. Um, and I think the biggest struggle for my family really was the the financial battle for it because obviously here, as I mentioned previously, we have the great NHS and it does amazing things. But when I, when we spoke to the NHS, they said, "Look, we can offer yeah. you one physio session every six weeks," and we were like, "Well, I need more than that because if I don't do do the work, he's going to end up more, worse than he started." Right. Yeah. Then we had to. Uh, fundraise uh, my parents had to pay for some of it so that, I think that was the difficult thing it's all the recovery because the recovery to like back to fully normal I would have said probably took me between nine to twelve months to get back up to speed um, and obviously the, the difficult thing to judge with that is obviously everything felt really strange to me everything felt mm-hmm. really weird um, so like I say that that became normal, but that might have just been where I stopped noticing how different things felt. Um, so in terms of full recovery, yeah, I'd say probably about nine to 12 months. Um, and also the biggest thing I would say to anyone having the surgery that's slightly older is get ready for your metabolism to accelerate by that five times. I, I was constantly tired i was eating like like it was going out of fashion i was eating so much i just put it this way at that time i was going through some exams at school um i was drinking like monster energy drinks every day and the full sugar ones as well not that i recommend that at all wow but but (laughs) and i and i was still like my weight was just disappearing so because Mm -hmm. of the like and i i asked the doctor about i said like what's like what what's going on here and he's basically like because you're now using all of these different muscle groups you're burning so much more energy and also your body's trying to recover from this major surgery um so it's it's just your body trying to 
repair itself really but it was the biggest shock because like I say I was just constantly running on empty but um I'd say that calms down after about six months um as I say the the first I'd probably say the worst bit of it is probably the first but between months one and four are probably the toughest if you can get past one and four then then you're on the home straight um and as I've said uh, anyone that asked me, it was the best decision. Now I look back at it, it was the best decision my par- uh, decision my parents ever made. Um, but obviously, at the time, I was only twelve, didn't really understand it. And I have got a a funny story to put it in perspective of like how much things change. Mm-hmm. Is uh, so we stayed in a hotel or well, hotel slash apartment like, uh, down the road from uh, where the hospital is. And in the hospital, there's there's all, all the different a lot of the British families stay there because it's a good base. You've got the 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 mums and dads and the kids are all having the same surgery. So you can all sort of bounce off each other because everyone's at different stages. But anyway, the um, right. the hotel had a swimming pool. And obviously, like any other surgery, you can't swim for like four weeks after the surgery or whatever it was. But um I remember on the last week, dad was like, oh, you can like, you've had your stitches out, your scars heal- healed up nicely. You can go in the pool now. And I, I, since I was a kid, I've always loved being in the swimming pool. And uh, <laughs> that I remember dad dropped me in the pool as he normally would. And I'd normally just uh, swim up to the top and be absolutely fine. But, but the issue was I used to use my spasticity to help me swim. So I actually, dad dropped me in the pool and I sunk to the bottom. And couldn't get myself wow. back up, so that had that had oh, to wow. jump in and get me from the bottom because, as I say, everything, oh, yeah. everything had changed. So, um, but yeah, it was quite a scary but funny experience. Now, now you look wow. back at it, you go, "That was really weird." But um, yeah, uh, as I say, I'd recommend it to anyone. Obviously, do your research on it. There's loads of stuff on the internet if you search selective dorsal rhizotomy or. SDR, there's loads of resources on there. Um, there's a big Facebook group as well for anyone that's actually wants to uh, apply for the surgery and wants to speak to people and ask questions. Um, I think there's about, there must be about, a, I'd say five 5,000 people on this Facebook group, all, all from people that have had it 10 years ago to people that are having it tomorrow. As, as I say, there's always questions flying around on there. Um, so if you want to want to get involved, just search on Google and everything will pop up. It's pretty, pretty accessible. Um, now, I think it's just finding that initial word. Yeah. How much, how much did that, now what, what is the surgery called again? What, just, uh, selective, selective dorsal rhizotomy. Dorsal rhizotomy. Yeah. Selective dorsal rhizotomy. Okay. Yeah. Um, and what do they do? Like, what do they do to your spine? What is it? So, what is the procedure? Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I mean, I, I'm no, I'm no scientist, so I have to put it in layman's right. terms. But from, right. from my like understanding, like <laughs> from my understanding, what they do is they open up um, your spine. Uh, they take the initial like uh, top layer of the the bone um, out then access the nerves that are underneath and then what the doctor does is he tests each one of these nerves to see which ones are causing the spasticity um in your body and then cuts those nerves he cuts nerves from your spine 
Yep. Oh, that's intense. <laughs> well, hey, well, what, when, you, when you're done with the surgery, uh, were you in yep. pain a lot? No. So, I mean, <laughs> uh, so as I say, I can't remember ever being in much pain. Um, the weirdest thing was just the constant pins and needles. Obviously, um, you're as well as that, you're, you've got a lot of painkillers running through you. I was on um, codeine. I was on diazepam. I, I was... Yeah, so they keep your pain meds relatively high so you don't feel any pain. Um, but I don't actually, even when my pain, uh, my painkillers wore off, um, I don't remember feeling too much. However, when I know things have changed slightly um, since I had the surgery, but when I had the surgery, you also had an epidural um, to take any pain away. So as I say, uh, I don't remember ever being in any pain but then again i was on quite a lot of medication to sort of combat that but they are um they are really hot on it and they're always there before it runs out and it's quite a straightforward experience and quite as i say i don't remember it being in any excruciating pain um really i think the weirdest thing i remember is once i got back from the hospital where i had the stitches in my spine Oh, well, stitches in my scar on my spine. It almost felt like any time like, I moved or anything, it was like someone was tugging a bit of string up my back. But I think that was just from where, I uh, say, where you've got the stitches in and they're so tight. Um, but as I say, pain-wise, no, I don't really remember being in any much pain. Um, yeah, as I say, it was just more more strange than painful. I'd say it feels... How much, how much did the surgery cost? If you don't mind me asking. Um, so I, um, so obviously um, we didn't have any insurances or anything like that. So as a whole, the surgery cost us £50,000, which in um, uh, American dollars at that time, I think I might be wrong. It was, a, I think it's about $60,000. Um, but however... Oh, yeah. I did have, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a big number, but I did have a roommate um, who was uh, an American guy. He's from a, his family and him were from Texas. And obviously we started chatting. Um, he'd had loads of different surgeries. He had hamstrings move from one leg to the other. All right, sorts. right, yes, yes. And, uh, I, and I said like, oh, like, have you had to pay for it all? Or is insurance covered a bit of it? Um, uh, and he said, the insurance did the whole thing and obviously i know that obviously different insurances will cover different amounts but there is that possibility out there um for for right. support which is good to know um but yeah no for us brits it was a yeah it was a hard hard to raise the money we did a lot of like fundraising um we did sponsored runs we did sponsored discos we did we did everything. Um, I think, it, bear in mind, we thought we'd have longer. In about six months, we raised about a quarter, of, uh, a quarter, if not half the money um, in that time. So we did okay. Um, but yeah, as I say, definitely worth it. Obviously, I know it's a big number, it's a big number and a big commitment, um, but it's worth looking into because there's, there's so many different charities and organisations out there for both us in the UK and in the US. So it's just definitely worth asking the question about, really. Yeah. Did, did your parents look into alternatives? Because I know there's some alternative holistic medicine that will reduce this, not, not get rid of the specificity, but reduce the specificity. Um, 
they didn't really look into any uh, any alternatives, but what they did look into was there are people uh, based in the UK that are offering the same surgery that have been trained by the doctor um, in the US, in, in St. Louis, uh, to do the surgery. Um, and those now have become more and more popular. I mean, in terms of, I think there's about four or five different surgeons here in the UK that do it. And I think there's about four, four or five in, in the States as well that do it. So there are other people that do those surgeries, but obviously my parents took the view of they want the guy who created it to do it because it's such a serious procedure. Um, but in terms of alternatives, we didn't really look into those. Um, I think t- until we we discussed it with the team about the surgery, we didn't really realise that the spasticity was uh, as much of an issue as it was. Um, because I was fairly, fairly independent. I'm, I'm able to, well, I was able and still am able to walk on a walking frame. Um, right. And I did, and I did a lot of, a lot of like your classic child stuff of playing football, uh, playing soccer, um, and did all that. So as I say, my parents didn't really see it as much of an issue. They knew it was a thing, but, um, it wasn't too much of an issue for me. Um, minus cramps and stuff. It wasn't too much strain because as well I didn't have too much spasticity in my hands so it was mostly just my legs that were affected so they didn't really look into it too much and, and also um, um, and also uh, the, I guess the question that I have is um, the um, is did your range of motion affected right away or right after the surgery or do you have to work yeah. at that, like like you said, the therapy? Nah, your your range of mo- mo- uh, motions uh, increased uh, drastically as soon as you wake up. I remember um, before my surgery, I couldn't wiggle my toes at all. And the first thing I did when I woke up was try, uh, I tried wiggling my toes. And my mom was like, you did it. Like, you'd never been able to do that before. Um, so the, the, the like, flexibilities uh, improves automatically because there's so much less stress on the muscles it's the actual strength that's the issue mm. so so the doctors say the, the procedure they, they say there's a nerve in your spine that causes your spasticity so yeah there's a there's one particular nerve in everybody's spine i don't think it's one particular nerve i think what they do uh, i mean as i say i'm not uh <laughs> not um right, right, yeah. at all to say that this is right or wrong but i believe from my understanding it's it's they test the nerves so they test which ones are causing you problems so it's not one specific one or one nerve that they can get in each individual it's just they test each one and see which ones are causing the problem um but mm-hmm. he does uh, uh, the surgeons do say that no matter what they do they're never going to be able to um they're never going to be able to, to get rid of spasticity completely. But what he does say is around about 80% of it is taken away. 80%. That's a lot. And then, um, it's a- yeah, that's a lot. That's good. Um, but, you know, um, from my standpoint, you know, the, the one thing that worries me, I'm, I'm 36. So, you know, it's just like, for me, I've been through like uh, surgeries and where they, Lengthened my um, Achilles tendon when I yeah. was when I was 15, and and when they um, they they did my groin muscle, they lengthened my muscles, and basically, got, for the time being, for a few years, you you have loose muscles again. I just don't want to go through another surgery. 
like part of me that I would love to do this, but I'm like, part of me is like, nah, like, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Going through another surgery, I'm already going to the gym and I'm like, part of me is like, nah, you know, you know. I'm I mean, like, I- yeah, I completely get where you come from. I mean, I, I uh, funny enough as well. So while I was out in the States, so until I had the surgery, the only surgery I'd had was I'd had my hamstring, hamstring, hair, hamstrings right. lengthened. Um, and then, right. and then when I got out to, um, out to America, they got, uh, the doctor said like, as Charlie had his Achilles tendon lengthened. Um, and, we turned around and said no. Um, we were hoping to get that done in the, yeah. in the UK to, to 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 save the save the money essentially. Um, and then basically the doctor completely understand that. However, we I didn't really understand what the whole reasoning behind it was. But they said if we if they do the surgery back in the UK, they could essentially accidentally undo some of the work we'd done. So what they did was. Uh, we actually had my Achilles tendon lengthened while I was out in the States. So basically I had uh, SDR uh, on the Tuesday, I believe. And then I came out of hospital the following, uh, the following Sunday, I think. And then I was back in on the Tuesday to have my Achilles tendon lengthened. Um, but the the thing I would say is I, I completely understand where you're coming from in terms of like the recovery is really long and and like you say uh, they they lengthen your Achilles and they lengthen your uh, hamstrings and then ten years down the line you need them doing again or they're not as loose as they used to be but I have to say like the obviously where it's your spine the 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 changes that you experience are permanent they don't change um and obviously they can improve the more you work at things and more you practice at it but it's not something it's not like a muscle where it will get tighter over time it's something that will just improve you full stop um but i do completely understand your your point of view in terms of like is it really worth going through the surgery it's it's a tough call it's completely down to you but like yeah i would say I would say it's definitely worth looking into and seeing if you're a possible candidate. Um, and then you can then, once you found out that you're a candidate, then you can make the decision on whether you want to go through it or not. Um, right, uh, right. It, right. Cause I'm, I'm just as much as I, you know, I go to the gym like five, six days a week. Like I love the gym as much as you do. And I'm like, I, yeah. I totally, I totally get where you're, uh, that's why you inspire me so much and i i love your story and the person that you are and it's just like thank you i i just um you 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 inspire me so it's like like for me i'm a gym enthusiast too i've been going there for five years like i said and yeah. you know i just i want to gain because i was gaining i was starting to gain like more range of motion and more flexibility but i got i got i got hurt like two years ago and then i got this bad flu this bad flu that sent me back basically and then and then the pandemic hit it sent me back even even further so it's like so i'm i'm just i was making great progress until i got sick so and i'm just trying to get back to that get back get back to that and further so for me i want to be able to transfer in and out of my chair I'm, i'm able to get out i'm not able to you know it's hard to transfer in in anything so on the toilet anything anything so it 
I'm 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 pretty independent as far as life goes. I don't let anything stop yeah. me. I don't nothing nothing. <laughs> There's no barrier that stops me. I find a way to get it done. I mean, yeah, I have, but I I just feel like I'm I want to be able to be able to essentially transfer myself at the very least. Yeah, and you I know. think that's something that will that you could see the benefit of with SDR. Um, and what I would say as well is you got to remember that you you're actually in a better position in terms of mentality than what I was in when I started my journey. So you've already got a love for the gym. So for you, the work, although the initial bit's going to be horrible, the initial couple of weeks is, is going to be hard. Once you then get past that, you can essentially go, the, the way I see it, you can essentially go straight back into your old routine because that will then strengthen your muscles and strengthen your conditioning and help your flexibility. So it's it's a tough call, but I would say that you're you're in a good spot in terms of it's, it's not going to be too much of a change for you in terms of lifestyle, but I think you'll, you'll see a massive difference. And as I say as well, they'll go through when you do the application, they go through um, what what's what's possible and what they think is going to happen uh, to you in terms of right. what benefits you're going to see. Um, obviously, as I say, the way they view it is they do want younger candidates, although now they are performing. <laughs> yeah, on, right, right. They are they are performing on us us older folk. Um, no, so, you're, you're not. Uh, a- yeah, but you're not old. I'm older, but I'm. I feel like I'm 18, so I, 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 we're mentally the we're mentally the same age. But you're not old, so let me correct that. Um, you're, you're, what are you? 22, 23. Like, 23. No, no. Yeah, 23. Um, yeah, you're not old. No. Get that. You get that out of here. You know. <laughs> um, I don't want to hear no, that. But as I say, it's, it's um. So now that I think one of the guys they did it the other week was. 55 i think um so it's it's definitely yeah it's definitely, as i say they got the, the thing is the support that the team give you when you're out there in terms of what to expect and what what's sort of required of you is it's, it's a great thing to see and right. the good thing about the doctors they are really honest they'll say they'll say whether they're whether they think it's right for you or whether they don't um because as i say whenever i've spoken to the doctors afterwards and um, they're not they won't just say that you're okay for it if they don't believe that you are, because obviously it's a, it's a major it's a major operation, it's a major surgery. Um, and as I say, it's just worth looking into. I think the biggest advice I'd give to anyone thinking about considering it is just look into it. There's no right, no yeah. one's gonna no one's yeah. gonna force you into it. You can right, send off right. the app, okay? application, application, yeah, and, yeah. <laughs> right. and then go. Actually, right, do you yeah. know what? No, I don't. I don't want to do this um so as i say i think just just have, have sit down have think about it. i mean the good new the good thing for my family was that we'd we'd spent so long considering it anyway pre- previous to going for it so it was not really a a big decision well it was a big decision you know, but we we oh, yeah. considered it for quite a while oh yeah I, I mean i wish i you know you know what i wish you know what i wish and i think you're a great candidate we're we're both great 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 um advocates for the disabled group the disabled community and especially for cerebral palsy. But you know what you know what I wish that, that I knew about the surgery when I was you know when I was your age, like yeah when I was twelve. I've, you know, so yeah I mean I, so I, I, I mean the same you know same goes here. Like I, I wish I wish we found it when when I was like three. 
because the thing is as well the biggest thing the doctors stress to you and the reason why they want the younger candidates is because then you don't get the opportunity to learn the bad habits that me and you have learned in terms of like for me it was dragging dragging my feet or like not crawling properly or all the different things and when you're that little you don't get the opportunity to learn those bad habits then you don't have to retrain your brain to to do it a different way right well but we're basically i i I like army chrome you know i i can't get all no i can't get on all my my all my all my poor knee you know like uh, so i army crawl so that's the way i get around my house but you know when i was younger i was you know more mobile but you know i'm i'm getting i'm getting back to that i'm like i said i'm going to the gym the last five years has been a great great improvement um Mm. but but like like i said you know i i i wish we knew about it before but you know i i'm i'm always open to to new ideas and new new at least like you said looking into it and i i just i just you know I, i feel like you know, if I, if I do it any time, it'll be the time is now, you know, because as you yeah. get older, like you said, like you said, it's just, just going to get, you know, but, but I think everything happens for a reason. I think everything happened, every discussion happens for a reason. And, and I think I, I was, you know, blessed to meet you to maybe consider this opportunity. So, because that's what I want. Yeah. I want my physical, my physical independence and. I, you know, that, that's one thing I've noticed with like spinal cord injury people, you know, it sucks that they, you know, been, they've been through a spinal cord injury. It's horrible. You know, the, you know, that they have to be in a wheelchair, but they don't have to deal with spasticity like us so that, that yeah. they can, they can build their strength up a lot faster. Like, um, you know, there's so many, like one girl I know, Jesse Stranahan, she has her wheel, uh, uh, wheel with me foundation. She's a beast in the gym. I mean, she's like completely shredded and like. She doesn't need to deal with spasticity, and she's completely yeah. mobile because she doesn't have to deal with the spasticity telling her, you know, fighting with her body, you know, and saying, no, yeah. you, can't, you can't turn that way. No, you can't turn that way. Try that yeah, way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, I know what you mean. I know what you mean. But, I mean, but as I say, it's it's you you learn to deal with what you got. I mean, um, right. And I think, uh, say, it's sometimes I try and stop myself comparing to others in terms of other conditions because, right. I mean, there's the, the struggles there that I'm like, oh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. I didn't even yeah. realize that that was a thing. Um, right, right. As yeah. I say, it's, it is. You know, the, everybody has their different struggles and it's a different journey. But I would be, I was like, man, I, I, you know, I, you know, dealing with this plasticity has been a struggle because it's like, it's like, and then having that spinal cord fracture, it's like yeah. the T11 fracture that I didn't even know about, but probably when I got hit by a car or something, that's when I, but it's an old fracture, but having that, it was like, cause that, that triggered my sciatica at one time when I got injured. So yeah. I was like, you know, and I never dealt with sciatica or anything like that before. And then I was like, oh man, it was a complete setback. And I was like, yeah. but not like, like me and you mentality, you know, we, we have the same mentality that jesse does and we're, we're like well, nothing stops us we got to keep on yeah. going and we got to keep on moving speci- on the note of specificity have you ever considered um or taken cbd oil no no see cbd help? oil 
CBD oil has to be probably one of the big things that helped me massively uh, with um, with my spasticity and with my general like muscle fatigue, even now training in the gym, um, it really helped. And it's the sort of thing basically um, for, I know a lot of people have mixed feelings about CBD, but obviously it's, it's the uh, cannabis oil, but without the hallucinogen right. in it. So there's no, you, there's no, <laughs> everyone expects you to take it and get high. No, unfortunately you don't get the fun of the high, but um it's it's a massive help in terms of you have to take it for about two weeks before you see the benefit but i found it massively helped with any muscle fatigue or muscle ache or or tightness or spasticity that i had in terms of easing the pain and and making you a little bit more uh mobile but also one of the side effects that i noticed was i since i was a kid um i've always struggled with sleep and it massively helped with my sleep as well um And yeah, so it was literally, so (laughs) this makes my family sound terrible, but basically most, I think, I think all four of us take it. And um, basically all it is, is you take two, two drops of it on your tongue every, every day and that's it. And, and it just helps massively with, well, it's helped my dad with a lot of back pain. It's helped my sister with back pain. It's helped my nan with like arthritis so it's, it's right. done some cool stuff, but it's definitely worth looking into to maybe consider. Right. Um, yeah, amazing. That's amazing. Yeah. I I don't have um, no I don't have no pain. I don't have no pain really. I just have yeah. you know dealing with that dealing with that specificity to where when you want to do something big like transferring, it just it says hello when you're trying to turn your body a certain way or yeah. you're trying to do yeah. Maybe maybe the CBD oil will help me with the while I'm doing those exercises, while I'm doing those particular tasks, maybe the CBD oil will help me with the, the, the fatigue part of it. And maybe, you know, like you said, calm, yeah. calm, calming down the spasticity while the task is being, you know, performed. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not like, it's not a crazy difference, but I did notice that it helped quite a lot. I mean, one of the big benefits for me was sleep, but it did help with my condition as well. Um, and as, as I say, it helped me with my gym fatigue as well. Um, don't know about you, but um, so I train, uh, <laughs> although they don't grow, I train legs twice a week, but obviously. Yeah, nat- yeah. Nat- me too, yeah. Nat- well, naturally. Yeah. A, cere- a person with cerebral palsy's body go- tells you to, to basically goes, no, I'm not doing it. I, I refuse. Um, right. Yeah. 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 And and the same because of that, when I do train legs, the 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 DOMS and the muscle ache that I get is is unreal. Um, so I found that CBD was a massive help for that. Um, and I know as well, you asked me in the in the previous episode uh, about what what I meant by um, the muscle gun that I was using. Um, so right, I'm, yes. I'm not 100% sure you've had them come over to the state, but there's been a big drive uh, in the fitness industry and like in the health industry for these like muscle guns. So what they are is, is actually, how do I describe it? Um, if yeah, you yeah, imagine, yeah. Yeah. yeah, so what I base, so it's just a, it's a gun that you have different attachments to right. and um, you change it to different level, uh, different levels of how fast or how powerful it is. And then the, 
the machine basically goes backwards and forwards into your muscle to then help increase the blood flow and reduce any muscle fatigue or tightness. Um, and I've just found that it massively helped with uh, some of my hamstring tightness, some of my general leg tightness. It's helped me with dealing with um, some tennis elbow issues that I've had from being in the gym and being in a wheelchair. Uh, it's just been a massive benefit to have. And I think, got a, I mean, a lot of people with similar conditions can probably relate. It's just a, another thing to add to your arsenal in terms of how to try and help you st stay in, in good shape and in, and in good sort of mental shape in terms of not constantly worrying about being in pain or being stressed about your, your condition and your like, your spasticity or your muscle pain it's just another thing to add in to the mix and i think the hardest thing and i i'm i'm the biggest hypocrite when it comes to this is trying to get yourself into a routine where you can just combine them all and then you'll probably put yourself in the best of spaces and the hardest thing with that as with anyone is just that everyone's so busy it's finding the time to sit and do it um but it's definitely worth something to consider um there's loads of different types out there of the muscle guns. There's big ones, small ones, powerful ones, not so powerful ones. Right. Um, so, yeah, it's just another thing to add in, really. Um, now, is there any good exercise you recommend? Like, I don't know if you work out in your chair, but if you ever do, do you, do you recommend, or if you did before, do you recommend any core exercises that a person with cerebral palsy that is confined to their chair can do? Um, um, or, the, or, the, so, uh, or, or their back exercises or any back exercises because the back yeah, it's hard yeah. to do so um so a couple uh, well i can only really think of one for core oh well there's two actually there is two so you've got um cable crunches so um so finding uh your nearest cable machine so you reverse up to the the bar where the cable comes down put it right. so it's just a above your head then have the the rope attachment around uh, just around your shoulders and then right you want to try to right yeah yeah really focus right. on contracting your, your core and then bringing okay. your uh, head to your knees if you can or even if you just contract your core and try and pull that weight away you'll still get some activation to your core um so that's an, a great one for anyone that's confined to the chair i've used that one um another one not so much for um for strength well it is strengthening but obviously there comes a point where you won't you won't get any stronger at it is stomach vacuums so that's literally just literally if you imagine you're sucking in as much as you can and you're almost tensing as much as you can your core because event uh with that is one it develops your core activation so that when you um when you do want to tense your core and activate it, it becomes easier, but you also find that it will strengthen it. Um, and also it gives you better mind to muscle connection so that when you're performing movements, your, your brain can automatically go right because I'm doing this. I need to activate my core because sometimes with people with cerebral palsy and a number of conditions, it's just getting that mind to muscle connection. That's also the hardest bit. And once you've got that, then it becomes easier to strengthen that muscle group. But um, yeah, those are two that are right. great for abs. In terms of back, um, uh, best one, uh, a couple yeah. of good ones. So back is one is um, face pulls. So if, again, if you use the cable machine, uh, the cable machine, it, 
for anyone that's confined to a wheelchair, a cable machine is is your best friend because there's so many different types. Yeah, of yeah, 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 totally. Yeah, yeah. Um, so face balls, literally just position the cable just about head level with yourself and then just pull it towards your face. Uh, not all the way, because that was probably not advised. But um, but then, yeah, so then you can just adjust the weight as you get stronger. Um, but as I say, using the cable machines is always a good one. The other one now- for back back i was going to suggest was if you can if you've got the flexibility to if you can get your stomach to your knees so you you can touch your toes um you, what you can do is get a barbell so you you lay as if you're uh lay well not lay but like bring your stomach to your knees and look down at your feet and get a barbell just around by your feet and then come in that position bring the bar up and try and hold the bar there, and that will activate um, the top of your back. Wow! Uh, it's another, it's and, then, and, then, uh, and then, and then, also, um, uh, what what do you what do you recommend for like a, you know like to do you, you you recommend doing core for a person with cerebral palsy doing core like uh, three times a week or every day or what do you um, recommend? That's all down to that's all down to the uh, individuals, but I would say. If core is a weak point for you, aim yes. for three times yes. a week. If if core is a weak point for you, then aim for three times a week because what you don't want to do is overload it because then you start dealing with things like muscle strains and things like that, and you really don't want to do that. And you want the the thing that obviously you anyone that goes to the gym needs to know is obviously it's not actually the doing the work that builds the muscle. The idea is that you're breaking down the muscle so that when it does repair, it's bigger and it's stronger. So you need to give your body that time to recover, particularly those of us who see cerebral palsy that like it, it's going to take us long to re- longer to recover. And, and obviously we have then the spasticity also to deal with. Um, so make sure you give yourself, your body enough time to recover. Um, I would recommend training for me. I'd recommend if, if you're, going hard every day i'd recommend training about four three to four times a week um obviously this can change right, right, right. On, yes if you're yes. following if you're following <laughs> like up if you're yeah. if you're following like upper uh, upper uh push pull or upper lower then th- there's a little bit more wiggle room there because the idea behind that is you the muscle groups that you're not training that day have a chance to recover but if you're hitting full bodies every day yeah you're not giving your body enough time to recover and i say this from experience because when i originally got into training and swimming and everything else i wanted to be the best of the best and for okay i've just got to do it every day and uh (laughs) i remember about three months in all within sort of two days of each other i pulled my hamstring my abs my shoulder and my back all in one hit and it set me back massively so my biggest piece of advice to anyone is just give yourself some time to recover sit right. up sit there chill out and just just recover yeah because the thing yeah. the thing is mm-hmm. if you can give yourself a chance to recover you can go harder the next day oh yeah oh, it's totally oh yeah I, I love that what i what i realized is some did some weeks I, I yeah i take three days off and i'm like and i'm i feel guilty i'm like that's okay yeah, but you're, you're totally right you're totally right yeah. I think it's yeah. just also it's finding like because I, I remember I was at that stage and it's finding that like that balance of just accepting 
your body is telling you to do not to do something so just give it that right. time to to sort it's about like the thing is like because i had it like when we had covid here here in the uk and all the gyms shut up it's like shit man oh, yeah that's, the gyms where, that's sh- where i lost all my strength yeah, yeah. Um, like, but then i sat i sat because uh, i've got a couple of friends that are personal trainers and i was like like what are we gonna do and the thing is like the biggest thing that i right. I, I remember my personal trainer saying to me was like Dude, muscle memory is a thing. Okay, it's going to take you a while to get back, but your body will remember what it used to do. Right. And it literally... Yeah, but with me... Yeah, yeah. With me, I was sliding out of my... I was like, damn, I don't want like sliding this much because my core strength got took a hit because I was like not working out as much because I was like... I was, try, I was trying to still do the resistance beds at home and everything, but it was like... It wasn't the same. I was like, damn. <laughs> like, you know, it's not... Yeah. You know, I mean, I think my same thing, like... I had a couple of, I've got a couple of weights here and it. Get, I remember I got to a point where I was just like, where obviously for me personally, I, I, I've i followed like powerlifting programs. I've followed a hyper program. So all for me, it's all about progression in terms of like, I need to be able to see the numbers go up in terms of I either right. need to be getting higher reps in or getting higher weights in. And because I was just coming in every day and lifting the same weight and doing the same exercises, I just got bored. Um, and then... Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then it's finding that, that mo- motivation to keep going. Um, mm-hmm. But then I have to say, like, I... So towards the end of uh, our second lockdown here in the UK, like where everything closed, nothing was open... Um, I remember I hit a wall about three weeks before we came out. Like, I just don't want to do it. I just don't want to do it. But then what I was amazed at was by five five weeks in of like five weeks in of properly trading, tightening up my diet and tightening what I was doing, I was back to where I was. And I was talking to my PT and I was like, this doesn't make sense because surely it would take me longer than five weeks to get back to where it wasn't. It's like your body just remembers what you used to do. And it eventually just goes, okay, we know what we're doing here. We need a bit of a t- time to adapt. But it does, you do pick it up so quickly. Um, so one thing I'd recommend to anyone getting into the gym, whether you've got a disability or not, is don't stress too much if you miss a day. Like, obviously, try and get yourself in a right. routine. I'm not saying that. But, like, if you, I don't know, you have a family commitment and you, you've got right. a yeah, uh, yeah. rant, randomly cancelled like you're not gonna die like <laughs> yeah, exactly. you're, not, <laughs> you're not gonna lose yeah. all your gains like it's not gonna happen and and i say this because i was there i remember when i was sitting there going shit i can't like i can't miss a workout i can't do this like i'll lose everything no you didn't uh, i didn't do i didn't lose yeah. anything um and that thing is always like the biggest thing i want to drum into anyone that's getting into training is stop stressing about your diet like Right. We all have yeah. days yeah. where we go off the wagon. Yeah. Like it's it's yeah. no it's normal. Um, no, and I think as well the biggest issue with that is the people uh, people on social media. Obviously, they see the the chiseled physiques and the perfect bodies, and people going on holiday, going, "Oh, I only ate this much," and it's like, yeah, but that's that's not that's not real. Like it's real. Like I'm not saying that people are lying, but they show the best bits. It's like anyone on Instagram. Myself yeah. included, you don't show, the, you don't yeah, show exactly. as, as much of the shitty side of oh, I have to go get my tire changed today. Like, no, no one wants to know that, they want to know, okay, this is this is what I'm doing today. But, um, 
So I think don't stress about your diet and don't stress if you eat too much. Um, just try and tighten up your diet. And I think the biggest thing I'd say to anyone is my biggest frustration is people going, ah, I want to be shredded in six weeks. I'm like, right. ah. but then I, I, my sis, like, my, I've got family members that say the same. And I'm like, yeah, but what happens after those six weeks? Are you going to go back to the same diet <laughs> you was on? And yeah, I, yeah, exactly, I'm like, exactly. well, then you're just going to go back to where you were. So my biggest piece of advice to anyone coming into training is just, it's not like, it's not a start and end. That's just, it has to become something that you just do. And then it's become the way that you do, like the way that you, the way that you live. For for example, for me, I know that I, I have a huge appetite because of my swimming days. Like back when I was swimming, I'd be burning 12,000 calories a day easy wow oh my god but That's then crazy. like and then i stopped swimming as much and but then my appetite stayed the same so uh, what, uh, I, uh, yeah. what i now do so now i follow intermittent fasting obviously it's not it's not oh, yeah, yeah. perfect for everyone but for me yeah, i've been doing that but i've been doing that a little bit too yeah so and and that's just something I do, and it's finding what works for you. Like my girlfriend, she trains and she she prefers to make sure that she eats before she trains. That's fine. Okay. It's what works for you. The biggest yeah, thing you exactly. just gotta remember. This is a long like this is a this is a marathon, not a sprint. Like you gotta oh, yeah. get ready to strap yourself in and and go for it. But as I say, try not to. But I know you can go sort of all in. And and with that comes the whole thing of like feeling guilty if you miss a day or your diet goes wrong or you eat that chocolate bar. Don't worry about it. It's it's yeah, it's yeah. fine. Like just write it off. Keep, and, keep going. Keep and, going. And, yeah. and go again. Like but and the other thing right. as well is I love that. The other piece of advice I'd give is people focus too much. People who are tracking calories. I'm not saying that that's a bad thing because it's a good thing to right. start doing. <laughs> it's a good thing yeah. to start doing yeah. so that you're aware of how many calories are in each thing. Um, but what I would say is don't focus on daily calories because people like that frustrate me uh, quite a bit because essentially if you go, like let's say, for example, you go over 300 calories one day, but then throughout the rest of the week, you're 300 calories lower. You're at the exact same number that you would have been at the end of the week that that you would have been if you managed to do the same thing on that day. So focus on doing stuff consistently and making sure that you're, you're hitting, I'd say focus on weekly targets because then it makes it easier because you're not stressing. Oh my God, I've eaten 200 calories over my diet. Right. I love that. (laughs) No, it's not just eat slightly less the next couple of days. It's all good. Like one, have one less sugar in your coffee. And it's all good. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and, uh, so, uh, so yeah, that's my little... About, talk, talk a little bit about, do you use the TRX cables? Because I love the TRX cables at the gym. Do you use them? I must them? admit, I, I, no, I don't, to be fair, I, I'm not, I don't really use the TRX cables. I don't know why, Um, but no, I've never really uh, used them. Um, I, I must admit, I'm very lucky at my, my current gym where um, essentially when I go in i have a, a pt slash staff member that supports me so with him i'm able he's able to help me t- transfer onto machines 
uh, move weights around and things like that. So I'm really help. Uh, it's really handy to have. Like that's why I'm able to do things like bench press, uh, deadlift, and things like that. So a lot of that I'm really lucky to have. But then what I would say to to everyone who doesn't have that is possibly just ask the question when you go into the gym next. Grab one of the PTs or grab the manager and just say, look, explain the situation and go right. Idea like what would be ideal is if I could possibly have one of your staff uh, when I come in just to help me move weights around and get a bit of assistance getting on and off machines. Or right. the other thing you can potentially offer them is say, look, okay, could I have part as part of my membership? Could I have um, that someone can come in with me to support me? That's awesome. Yes. Uh, so that's yes. one thing I would say, because then it opens up so many doors. I mean, some of the the crazy stuff that my, but I call him my PT. He's not actually my PT. He's just a staff member at the gym and we've become friends uh, and we have a lot of banter and we have a lot of uh, laugh. But he, yeah, he'll, that's sit awesome. there, yeah. he'll sit there and obviously he's he's a trained PT and his bra- you can just see his brain ticking because he's come up with some stupid exercise that he's like, I figured out a way for you to trade legs in this way. And I'm like, oh, God. And he's got like, <laughs> strapped, strapped to this machine. And this leg is doing one movement. One, one leg is doing another. Awesome. Isn't it? But it's, it's the same. My, the other bit of advice I would say is just get creative with the gym. Like, just if something looks weird but works for you, keep doing it. If, it, if you're right. feeling... Right. If you're, feeling if you're feeling something if you're if you if that that exercise making a muscle group work that you haven't been able to activate apart from doing this exercise just keep doing it the hardest awesome. thing going into the gym with a disability and i'm sure wade you can relate to this and you can probably back me up with it hardest thing is getting over the hump of like everyone's looking at me oh yeah I, I, but, but my strategy is i talk to everyone i'm like a new yorker it's like yeah, i just never stop talking so, yeah, I like See, to talk a, to everyone. I'm the same. I mean, I, I mean, I'm a ginger dude in a wheelchair. I'm only five foot three. I am so loud. I'm five, to, I'm five really, foot three as well. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. I love that. I love that. Um, so I'm so loud, and I'm 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 always chatting to people, always talking. But like the biggest thing like, for those that are introverts is just don't try not to worry about. It. And I know that's easier said than done. Um, but to put it in perspective a little bit for you, the amount of people I've had come up to me, tap me on the shoulder and say, like, hats off to you because there's some people in the world that can't even get off the sofa and they're fully able-bodied. Uh-huh. Yeah. Like, I had, I had some yeah. strangest yeah. experience the other day. I had some dude come up to me in the gym and he did, like, I was mid-exercise, he came over, tapped me on, uh, tapped me on the shoulder, said, respect really quietly, and then oh, walked yeah. off before before I even had a chance yeah. to say like, oh, thank you, and have a bit of a chat. Right, with him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He walked off, and I was like, "What? Okay, yeah, okay, cool, great." <laughs> right. Well, with my chair, I go. I, you know, I've, I've I've heard people tell me that too. With my chair, I go upside down, and I'm like doing chest presses upside down because the chair tilts upside down. It reclines upside down. So I'm like, I'm doing That's chest sick. presses, and and sometimes when they don't see me. When they when they when they don't know me, they're like, "Are you okay? Are you okay?" I'm like, "Yeah, I'm good. Yeah. I'm good, man. Just, just yeah, chill yeah. out, bro. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm okay. I got this." And then they they, yeah. they they like freak out. It's pretty funny. <laughs> so yeah, 
oh my god, they're gonna lose their minds. But, it's yeah. the same with me. Like um, every time I'm getting my wheelchair in my car, that everyone comes up. To, You're okay. Like you're you right doing that, and I'm like, yes. Like I do this every day. Like it's it's good. Right, exactly. That's right. what I tell them. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, and it's like, my. My rule for any, like, uh, for anyone, everybody, listen to this. The rule you should follow with anyone with disability is if you see them struggling, don't oh, yeah, go over and automatically help them or constantly ask them if they need help. They will talk, exactly. they will tell you if they need a hand. Oh, yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, for sure. I love that. Right. I love that. And I'm, I'm, I feel the same way. <laughs> totally yeah. agree. I One last question for you about the... Yeah. Uh, the Spine and and after your surgery, now does the scoliosis continue to curvature even after the surgery? I know uh, that one. I'm not sure if I can answer because I'm not sure. Okay, okay. I mean, is your spine is your spine like you seem like you know it stayed the same ever since? Yeah, yeah. There's there's been no major curvature spine. I mean, I I've never really suffered with that. My biggest issue is more um, because I'm so top heavy in terms of everything I do is with my top half. The only thing I have is my shoulders are my shoulders are very rounded. Like I can't. I find it very difficult to push my shoulders back. So I haven't actually got any curvature of the spine. But I I hunch quite a bit purely from. Uh, essentially too much strain on my upper body and not enough flexibility to to pull my shoulders back and set them back um so that's the only real thing i have in terms of being hunched or having any curvature spine but in terms of the surgery i don't believe there is any impact on um or any major implications with with that this this was an amazing uh both 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 conversations were amazing uh, i'm just so blessed to call you my friend and a to have you in my life and, and that we connected and um thank you for um you know uh, sharing your your friendship and your story and, and your time um it's been amazing no worries it's been an absolute pleasure guys um as i say feel free to drop me anyone feel free to drop me a message if you got any questions yes, yes, i'm more than happy happy to the, answer them and where's your social media again where's all your um uh, wonderful orange hair they can find you in. <laughs> so um, you can find me on most social media platforms by searching NQPC um, and it stands for for anyone that's wondering it stands for not quite politically correct um, and the reason behind it is that I have a very tongue-in-cheek sense of humor I don't take my disability too seriously so with the platform what we try and do is approach disability in a sort of fun, friendly way where no one's judged for asking questions uh, and it's all a fairly light-hearted conversation. So as I say, feel free to come over, check out some of my content. I'm on YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, uh, TikTok. Uh, I'm, I'm everywhere. Um, so feel free to check out some of my stuff. Uh, as I say, if you've got any questions, drop me a message. I'm more than happy to answer them or if you want to drop on jump on a call at any point i'm happy to go through those if you're more comfortable with that um as i say i'm just out here trying to help uh the several community as much as i can really that, that's awesome that's beautiful and then also um we got to get you back on the um ability beach talk sit down comedy 
stand up is overrated. Soon to be out. Um, we got to get you back on, Charlie, so we can have some good laughs and so talk. Just got some, you know, great, great um, com- comedic experiences that you've been through being disabled. I think that would no, be awesome. Pe- there's plenty of them, man. There's plenty of them. Oh, that would be awesome for, for everyone to hear. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. Ability Beastock, Charlie Randall, everyone. That's how we roll. Thank you so much again, Charlie. Thank you so much. No worries, man. Look after yourself. Thank you for tuning in to Ability Beast Talk. Please remember to subscribe and follow the podcast, looking out for future episodes and amazing content as we change the world by powering through our struggles with positive affirmation. Ability Beast Talk is available on Apple, Spotify, Breaker, Pocket Cast, and Radio Public. As always, Ability Beast Talk is powered by Ability on the Move, a nonprofit organization in Orange County, California, helping the disabled community with grants and scholarships. Please visit abilityonthemove.org to learn more about the Ability on the Move and who we are helping. Thank you for listening to Ability Beast Talk.